I'm not looking at this from the stance of politics. I'm not looking at this from a stance of judgment. I'm not looking at the stance from the stance of my own skin color or my own experience in the world. I'm literally looking at this through the optics of stats and measurements and trends. Welcome. What up? To the Habits of the Field. What we got for them? Where we discuss habits, rituals, and mindset tactics that you can use to reach your version of success. Yeah. And now, here's your host, Mona Bolfi. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, today's guest, we've got Eric Post. And, you know, we touched on something on our last episode that really, really resonated with me personally. And uh, I really wanted to address it. And so there was an instance that recently took place that really sparked and triggered the opportunity to be able to have this conversation. And so uh, without further ado, we brought Eric back on the show and uh, we're going to have him take it from here. And we had such a great conversation last time on that last podcast, and it was about a different topic and a different subject, but schools came up and, and we started getting pretty passionate about it. And you made the great comment. You're like, man, I think we can talk for another hour or two on this. Why don't we do another podcast? I'm like, absolutely. Let's do it sometime. Well, then something happened recently that I rung you up. I was like, man, now's the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> like now's the time to talk about schools. Um, so do you just want me to start off with, with telling you that story real quick and, and why I reached out to you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So m- many people that are listening, if they're from the Oregon area, maybe they saw that there was an incident that, you know, made all the local news about a possible racist hate crime that happened at Clackamas High School out on the edges of Happy Valley. That's where I live. That's where my kids go and, and everything. Uh, that morning, I got a, a Instagram message from my daughter with a link to a video that the principal shot and the principal of the high school was very emotional in this Instagram post. And it was on Facebook too. It was roughly, you know, six plus minutes long. He's very emotional. And he gave his opinion of what, of what had happened this, that morning. And it was a senior prank and he, he gave his um, perception of what was happening. He was incredibly emotional. I've never met this man. I've never walked a, a minute in his shoes. I looked at him. I'm like, man, he really is affected by this. And so I was drawn into hearing what his emotions and his thoughts were. But then I realized, I was like, okay, is this, this one man, whether he's the principal or not, is this his perception of what happened? Is this his feelings of what happened? Is, is this emotion what happened? Or is this what he's found out as a result of, you know, catching the kids that were involved or the police investigation or social media posts or doing, you know, interviews of the kids involved? Which one is it? You know, was this video shot? as his personal expression of what he thought happened, or was this shot as a result of, of all the facts? I asked that question on the Instagram, on the Instagram page. And I was like, man, um, in no way do I feel entitled to, to judge this man, how he feels. I'm just wanting to know if this was before or after all the facts were gathered. A couple of questions later, uh, really great exchanges, bunch of likes. All of a sudden I went back and found out that the comment was deleted and not just that, but I've been blocked from social media. <laughs> And, and then, though, I saw all these people started posting like that I must be some sort of racist because it's just not obvious to me that it was racism. But, Mo, at no point in time was I condoning it or saying it was racism or not racism. I was literally just trying to find out if the leader of the high school that my kids go to made this video and it was his own opinion or if it was based on all the investigation of facts. That's literally all I was asking. And, and I was telling some of my friends, I'm like, because I don't parent based on another man's emotions. I don't look for the news. I don't look for another human being or the president or a principal to tell me how to feel about something. And then I have to go dig through the entire world to find out the facts. I expect, especially a, a learning institution, to tell me the facts. And then I get to decide how I feel about it. Right. And then I get to decide how we want to parent and work with my family on the situation. So that's why I asked the question. And it, it opened my eyes so much to what's happening in public schools. And so I rung you up. I'm like, man, let's have it. Let's have a discussion. This is just the impetus, the impetus of the discussion. I don't want to, I don't want to create this discussion about Clackamas high school or this one principal, because it's simply just an example about concerned parents. This isn't just me. Literally tens of millions of parents are feeling this way. They're feeling disconnected 
from what's happening in school. They're wanting to know more. But if they ask it in, in, a, in a way that's somehow not popular, I'm using the air quotes popular, if that makes sense, then they're shunned. And, and I'm, I'm absolutely baffled. First of all, I haven't really asked anybody else that, I, that aren't just my friends, but does that seem like a reasonable question that a parent would want to know coming from a, a principal of a high school? Oh, absolutely. And, okay. and, and, you know, like my stance has always been just, just to speak on public schools. Like, you know, when we went back to having the opportunity to, to, to have our children who are in first grade, okay, they're six years old mm -hmm. to go back inside of the school. We were very excited. We're like, great. They get to have the, the social engagement with other children. They, they get to be able to interact and learn social skills and interpersonal skills and all that stuff that you can't really learn from a digital screen. Right, and, right. and, you know, and what, what was sad is, you know, listening on the meetings and, and, and reading these emails from the, from the side of like unorganization aside, right. The chaos from that structure and everything aside, it, it was really disheartening to see that the, the system has changed and, and it has such, has such a negative connotation to it that it, it literally soured uh, my, my feelings of the whole thing. And my wife as well, we're like, you know, to each their own, but the way that things are going, um, it, it's, it's almost like, why would I want to include my children in that type of community when the community just 12, 18 months ago was very positive and, and nurturing and, yeah. and, and, and exciting, right. Versus to where it, where it's, it's shifting to now. And you see it, you know, firsthand and you see it kind of, uh, nationally, like this is happening everywhere. And, and you get to see it from, from the perspective of a high school, middle school. And I see it from perspective of, you know, you know, kindergarten, elementary, and, you know, through fifth grade, how these kids are being succumbed to, you know, what essentially has become the new, the new normal. Right. And, and it's, and it's not fair to the children, and as a parent, you're always wanting to do the best for your kids. You're always wanting to provide the best opportunity and the best circumstance, no matter what your, your uh, nationality, your culture, your religion, your financial uh, status. It doesn't matter, right? So it, it's just, it, it's frustrating and it's very disheartening to see these things unfold day by day, week by week, month by month. Here's the other reason why I asked the question. It wasn't just because I wanted to know how to talk to my own kids about it. Because my daughter that sent me the post, right? So I was obviously, look, let me educate myself on what this means so I can have a good discussion with her and let her make her own decisions about things, right? But I don't know anything. So let me figure this thing out. And one of the questions was about the fact finding. But here's what I instantly thought, because, because the, again, I don't, I don't know this man. And I don't want to villainize him, but he's using the words racist hate crimes, so on and so forth. So I had already known that this was a big group of, of high school seniors. This is a high school senior prank thing that happened, okay? And then, it, and then it went very awry, right? But I know it's not just two kids. I mean, there's dozens, and I happen to know already there was about 60 kids involved, okay? Now, in this group of 60 kids, there's kids of all colors. There's kids of all members of LGBTQ+, like all different nationalities and, and uh, political leanings and so on and so forth, right? So by saying this happened and instantly blanketing the entire thing is this racist, his racist hate crime. In my mind, I'm like, holy shit. There are kids that were there that had nothing to do with what he was speaking about, right? That were maybe doing the saran wrap or toilet paper, toilet, toilet paper in the trees or whatever that have college scholarships on the line, right? That have reputations on the line. Like if these kids that had nothing to do with this are now labeled as being part of a racist hate crime, and they lose college scholarships or are labeled in this way for the rest of their lives, having nothing to do with it. That is absolutely dangerous. So that was my initial concern. Like, okay, is all the fact finding, is this being labeled right? Is this, is, is this the proper way for a leader of a school instead of sending out saying, hey, listen, this happened. I tell you what, right now, the optics are really bad. It does not look good. That said, we don't have all the facts yet. We live in an environment where all the news rushes to be the first one to post, rushes we want. We're, it's a competition for likes and comments. It's not a competition to see who's the most correct, right? Mm -hmm. It's a competition mm -hmm. to see who's the, who can hijack your emotions the fastest. Right. And so I was concerned that that's what this was doing, right? It, because of the gravity of it, of the gravity of these kids' futures,
being labeled as part of something. Maybe it absolutely was. Maybe it wasn't. But we don't know who. We don't know how. We don't know when. And the leader of the, of the institution that's supposed to be protecting all of the kids, not a specific section of the kids, all of the kids, was making a very intense accusation. And it got on all the news. And, and I'm like, oh, my God, what about these kids that have nothing to do with this? Are they going to lose their college education? Right. And so it was more of this like instant, like, let's pause. Like, this is what's happening. This trend is what's happening in schools. This, these public schools, Mo, are funded by all of the taxpayers' dollars. Not everybody. Not, not just a small section. All of them. All of the political affiliations, all the races, all the genders. So does it make sense, right, that things are positioned, that education and, and the syllabuses, the, the, the diversity of the staff, all these things are a reflection of the, of the population that pays to make these institutions work. In my mind, that's a very fair expectation, okay? Mm-hmm. Not only that, I thought it was a fair expectation, a fair standard for me to look at an education, an institution of education that's supposedly teaching children that's important to research to fact find, right? To base, to, to go through the scientific method on different, like to actually not just view the world and come to assumptions on your emotions, but dig in, research, right? That's what I thought that my expectation of the, in, the leader of the institution to have the same expectations of himself or in his administration as he would the child turning in a research paper, right? The difference is the research paper doesn't have a fraction of the positive negative implications on other people's lives as a, as a social media post as, as he made. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's why I got really sort of interested. I just made a comment and then I'm looking at, wow, if you can't even ask that simple question without A being labeled and B being blocked and banned, there is a major problem. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's just take this back just a decade. Hell, even five years. Let's let's go even shorter timeline, <clears throat> right? Where this was a normality, like seniors doing their thing, TPing places. I mean, when I graduated high school, we, we did some. Our class did some pretty messed up stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you you wouldn't even you would even think of of trying to do that now because <clears throat> of the calamity that would befall you. Unfortunately, I mean, probably what we, the things that we did back in high school as seniors, as our senior prank um, could, could probably land us in handcuffs today based on society's new laws. And I'm not talking about written laws. I'm talking societal laws that, right. that are created by the stigma of which we live in. And, and things evolve and things change. Right. And they right. should, and they, they should, should, but they shouldn't regress. Thank you. Bingo. Keep going. Absolutely. That's where I was hoping. That's the distinction. I was glad that you made. Thank you. Yeah, totally. Like they shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, they shouldn't regress. They shouldn't go backwards. You shouldn't start. um, It's like, first and foremost, the, 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 the reason why we learn history is to learn from history so that we don't repeat history. Right. The big, the negative things that befall us from history. Right. So, for instance, I was always raised that you can learn from other people's mistakes so that you don't have to make them. And, and make your life a little bit easier, not to say that you don't go through them, because there is, there is a lesson to be made in making your own mistakes and paving your own way. I don't want to get into that. But at the same time, like, we, 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 have, we have the opportunity to get better year by year, decade by decade. And instead, we're starting on this path, and we've been on this path for, I don't know, I've really noticed it the last 24, 36 uh, months. But we've really been on this path, and this path has been has been nothing but a, 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 a slight regression that has exponentially skyrocketed since COVID, since all the things surrounding COVID. And I, I don't want to use COVID as as the uh, the, the mechanism, right, of which all of these things started going bad. I'm just using it as a reference point. I think, and you know, give me your opinion on this. COVID, I didn't think accelerated anything. COVID just exposed it. Yeah, COVID yep, just COVID yep, just made it obvious. Yep, 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 yep. One thousand percent. And so, you know, parents got to see a lot of things, and we got to understand there's lots of other options. And and it it was just a, it just put a magnifying lens on on a lot of these things that people just weren't looking at before because they're in the group, they're in their routines, their normal routines. When all the your normal routines stop, 
and there's chaos, a lot of other things become really clear, <laughs> you know, because you just weren't focused on them before. And once you put your optics there, then it becomes really obvious. So I don't think it accelerated anything. It just made a lot of people aware of what is, is going on with some of these things. And you, like, and you mentioned, and, like go ahead, buddy. Media, yeah. but, like, but like social media, right? Like, that's, like and what do you mean? What do you mean? Social media has done nothing but expose. That's true. You know, and amplified, and amplified for sure, right? And and we look back through history, and with part of the project I'm working on with my documentary project, I've I've been studying histories, the rise and falls of civilization, the all of the civil rights movements, the the evolution from from slavery to now, like lots of really deep um fairly dark topics like world wars and and genocides and and you know the holocaust and all these things because i'm really trying to understand how humanity comes to these absolute darkest moments of our times right and right. as you look at history and i'm a fairly optimistic guy just by nature like that's what serves me the best that's what has helped me help the most people the most is by being fairly optimistic about things but the one thing that i can't ignore is how close we are to actual history we're and the and the thing that ties us to our history is that we're still fucking human beings, mm-hmm. right? We haven't stopped being human beings. We have the same brains with the same wiring, the same emotions, right? And we have a we have a primal brain, right? We have our that are operating inside of archaic institutions with godlike technology. And that's what's that separation of those three things are what's creating all this chaos. And how can our kind of reptilian ancient brains with an ancient institutions from the judicial systems to the education systems on that stuff, handle godlike technology? We can't. We can literally create drinking water from clouds right now, right? <laughs> but but yet we have people fighting over pronouns at a basketball game. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, like this disconnect of what is possible for us, but yet what we're doing are two different things. We have the Kardashians in their 20th season, right? But we have the ability to clone a human being, <laughs> right? It's, <laughs> it's fascinating, but it's not, it, it, it's not our fault because we're just humans and we always will be. So this, this nature of man, this, this very caveman nature of man, this barbaric nature of man is there. And it will never be out of us. And so instead of trying to avoid it, we have to learn how to harness it. And so I'm looking at these public school systems and I'm like, okay, listen, we do want to talk about an archaic system, right? COVID definitely exposed all the different ways that kids can learn. Mm-hmm. And it exposed, it might, now this is not my personal opinion. I have no scientific base. I'm talking about my own personal children, talking to other parents. It exposed this, this whole kind of, pushing movement to digital education it actually yeah. exposed how how shitty it is for a lot of kids kids are more depressed and disconnected and can't and then they're hating school now more than ever just being behind a screen trying to learn yep right and so humans are humans they need that human interaction they need the human touch they need that human the eye to eye face to face um hear your voice not just through a screen sort of thing so i i'm really hoping that the education like open eyes be like oh my god we can't push just to this online digital sort of learning that, you know, going back and doing show and tell and actually like giving presentations in public and all sorts of things are very powerful and important. Right. Um, but I digress just a little bit because I, my, my kids uh, can't wait to get back to school, to be honest. Um, same here. Yeah. Same here. Well, l- let me ask you real quick. Cause I, I, I this is something that's I've, I've been asking myself and other people for, for a long time. What, like, what do you think brought on PC culture? Like as a society, like what, what made, what made society soft? And, and I know I say that with such almost like prejudice and I understand, Mm -hmm. but it, but that's the, that's the, that's the reality. Like if you're offended because I didn't use the right pronoun because I, I, you know, I, I use some sort of term to describe you that you thought was you know, uh, an offense or that you took an offense to that is so silly in in my perspective and in in the way that I look at things yet you want to be that petty. That's how I look at it. Like, why are, why are you, why are you referring to yourself to, to, or why are you taking it down to such pettiness? It's like me arguing with my wife over where I left my shoes. Like it's, well, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. 
I wouldn't be even having this conversation. I wouldn't be challenging the status quo if I looked at the status quo and I looked at what it was producing and it was producing great things. We would not be having this conversation if kids were fitter, if yep. they were less depressed, yep. if less kids were killing themselves. I wouldn't be concerned if kids were happier and more optimistic about their future. I wouldn't. But every trend of that I just messed, kids are more fat, more depressed, killing themselves more often, less happy, and less optimistic about their future. So if we're not having this fucking discussion, what is wrong with us as parents, as leaders of these kids? If we just stay with a status quo and we look to say, oh, it's not working, but yet we'll just keep going down the same path, how fucked up are we? We can't look at a generation and say, oh, they're lazy and they're entitled and not take direct responsibility because we raised them. We created the environment that they're in that's generating the thing that you're now judging them for. I actually work with kids directly on leadership and in high school levels and all and coach kids and everything else. This generation is just as enthusiastic, smarter, more resourceful, uh, creative than ever before. And yet they get labeled. Why? Because we're scared that we can't lead them properly. It's our, it's their own, it's the, it's this generation of boomers and, and, and exes that I'm in that is actually so egotistical and so lacking self-confidence. They don't know how to fucking lead them. Mm -mm. So I'm like, you know, you, we're looking at these, I'm looking at these stats and if what we're doing isn't working, then why aren't we changing it? Why are we doubling down on what doing is, is, is that's not working? That makes no sense to me. It makes not even logical sense. I'm, I'm talking about a pragmatic sense, not my opinion statistically what we're doing is not working statistically what the school system is producing is not working we're, we're looking at a generation of millennials right that are now going to be the largest generation ever and have the least control of wealth right why because we told them what to do and we told them what used to work right but the way that society is is creating such exponential change what we're telling them to do that used to work is not producing results that's going to work for them and so now they're looking around like, wow, fuck, my parents didn't know what to do. They told me to do the wrong thing. Here I am with a whole bunch of school debt, still living in a basement, working three jobs. The system's fucked. They're pissed off. And why wouldn't they be? <laughs> they're told what to do and it's not working. Yep. So I, I have zero, I like, I, I'm willing to take the self-responsibility of our generation that's trying to produce a school system. It's not working. We're not producing kids that are happier and fitter and healthier, and more optimistic about the future. So if that's the truth, that's why I'm having this conversation. That's why I want to challenge the status quo. Does that, does that sit well with you? Do you understand that? Yeah, of course it sits well with me. I'm with you 1,000%. Okay, all right. But the, but the thing is, is that how, like, like as we're talking about this, I'm already thinking about how people are going to interpret this to fit their own belief system that has been manipulated, twisted into thinking that this is all okay, that the, the society as it stands is unable to think for themselves. And because they're unable to think for themselves, what happens is that this is the life that we live. This is what you're seeing on a day-to-day -day basis. You, utilizing the example of, you know, Clackamas High School in that situation. And that's just one example. That's not, that's not the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, the primary cause. It's just a common denominator, right, of everything that's been taking place. <clears throat> and that's what's frustrating. It's that I'm thinking 10, 20, 30 years ahead down the line, is this the world that my children are going to be living in? And how is it going to continue to spiral out of control? And I know that sounds dramatic, but if you really are viewing the world as it is versus what you hope it to be or what you um, assume it is based on your belief system and, and, and thoughts and, and emotions and your own view, right? Your own little viewfinder yeah. of the world then it becomes a completely different scenario. But, but, you know, this project I've been working on for the last year and all this studies, like once you understand that the world is run on emotions, not run on facts. It is. Everything starts to kind of make a lot of sense. It's, it's easy to see how people are, are easily manipulated. And I'm not saying because they're weak-minded. I'm not saying it's not, it's because we're all human beings. <laughs> this is not something new. This is, this is since the beginning of time. But it's that awareness of how fallible we are that has made me feel so free. And people are starting to talk about this. Why is this always us, them? It's us, them. I'm like, no, to me, it's them, them. I'm not, I'm not in that battle of it's us, them. Like, I don't, just because some people are playing chess 
and they say, well, I'm the, I'm the rook or I'm the pawn. I'm like, actually, no, I'm not even in that game. I'm not even playing that game with you. And, and it looks like this, like, I'm not looking at this from the stance of politics. I'm not looking at this from a stance of judgment. I'm not looking at the stance from the stance of my own skin color or my own experience in the world. I'm literally looking at this through the optics of stats and measurements and trends. And if we have a society that's more divided than ever, and people are calling the society very toxic, right? Well, my said like, all right, society is merely nothing more than the entire collective of a bunch of individuals. Well, that must mean that we have a whole bunch of individuals that are walking around toxic. And we do by all measure of metrics. So no wonder our society is toxic. No wonder social media become toxic. No wonder you can't have a civil discussion around the Thanksgiving table anymore, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody wants to be right. Everybody wants to be right. Nobody's searching for the truth. Everybody wants to confirm their own bias in the world. Everybody searches for meaning through suffering, like in the uh, Viktor Frankl book, Man's Search for Meaning, right? And, and, I'm, and I'm seeing this search for meaning through suffering. I, I'm seeing, and especially like, if I have some squishy, malleable, hard to describe problem to solve that I could go be the champion for, and I'm going to suffer through this, that gives me meaning in my life, right? And everybody's out there diagnosing, well, we have a, we have a racist, sexist, homophobic, dangerous world out there, right? All these is things. And, and when you do that, when you say, well, everybody's this thing, nobody's pausing and saying, well, what am I? <laughs> like, let me do some self-reflection here. Let me do some self-work. And the only way to really solve the big problems is to be a really solid person individually. And that's scary as shit, right? Sitting alone by yourself with no electronics, sitting in, and how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself is everything to me. And in this world where we're all distracted, nobody's taking that time. And so, of course, you're going to get your meaning by trying to solve some issue that, if you solved, by the way, would leave you emotionally unsatisfied. <laughs> so you've put yourself in a trap to perpetuate needing an issue to fucking solve so you feel some sort of meaning in your world. Yeah. And it, and and when you when you give somebody or give an institution a logical solution for it, holy shit, if we're actually able to solve it, then what? Then what would I be outraged by? Then what I get up in the morning about and be pissed off about? Well, let me let me turn my TV on and see what I should be mad about now. Right? And and again, I'm not condoning anybody. These are just observations. These are just even psychological studies of mankind. This, this is just the truth. This is just how it is. And, but it's the lack of awareness that's the most dangerous. When people don't see that's how it is, right? When they see it's like, nope, I literally want to get up and get pissed off and solve this thing, but I, I can't solve this thing because if I do, I don't have anything else to do. And if anybody else actually gives me a solution, wants to talk about it, that wants to solve it with me, but they look at it a different way than I'm looking at it, they must be morally apprehensible. Because I'm morally right. And if they're morally ha- rehab- apprehensible, I can, I can shame them and I can cancel them and we can label them. We can all these things because they must be less than human because they're morally wrong. And that's a dangerous path to go down. And that's the path we're going down right now. And that's the path that even these, these public school institutions that bring it all down are going down. And, and I'm, I'm concerned about a lot of these, a lot of these policies like, like indoctrination and inclusivity and, and these things that are happening in schools. Not, not because I agree or disagree, just because it's not working, Mo. That's the only reason I have a concern about it. I could care less if it was working great. I'd just go out in the woods and hike around and spend time with my friends and family and have a beer, right? Yeah. Yep. But because they're not working is why I'm having these conversations. It's not a moral stance. It's not a moral situation. It's not a moral problem, nor is it necessarily uh culturally a problem because because if we break down society and i understand everything's an emotional uh, we we're acting as human beings we're acting on emotion but if we if, if we could break it down even further and start start um defining like what is privilege what is what is um uh, understanding what is what is the extent of which someone will have to go in order to feel at peace or loved or being heard or understood? You know, uh, what, what, what is the definition or what is the cause of 13 year old girls having multiple Instagram accounts, one for depression, one for a Sinsta, right? Where they're yeah. posting provocative uh, photographs right. of themselves just so that they can create these different identities because they feel broken inside. And, and it's, and it's, and it, that's just an example, man. Like it is, 
They, and, to, and to get back to this, a lot of the things we're talking about aren't the problems themselves; they're just symptoms. They are; they're symptoms. You know, right? They're just symptoms. So, so you mentioned something about this whole inclusivity thing. Yeah, um, I, I've been thinking about this. I haven't had a chance to actually talk about it, so I'm going to just try and mumble my way through a few thoughts here. And if anybody listens to this, and all I'm asking for is anybody listening to this podcast, just don't apply it to a direct example in your world that confirms your bias and decide if this is all right and wrong just just think if it makes sense just uh, apply it to any scenario and just see if some of these basic things make sense like like the whole concept of inclusivity in the concept of inclusivity by the way being a righteous thing and i think that's fair that's what kind of culturally pop culturally it says that inclusivity is righteous yeah right? that's the right that's the right thing to do this mm-hmm. is not a new movement though think back to the beginning of the birth of religions right? You know, it's like, we want to include you, which means actually converting you. Mm-hmm. I want to evangelicalize this thought, this, this, this idea, this, this deity, this God, this culture, this religion, get you to believe like me so we can include you and in us, right? Well, then what happens in a lot of these religions? Oh, by the way, if you don't think like us, if you don't abide by these rules, you actually go to hell. <laughs> you're not you're not bad. You just literally go to hell in some religions. Make sense? Right? Yeah. Like you you're just a kind of like a bad person or just kind of ostracized, or do we just don't think about you? You literally go to an internal uh, fiery hell, right? If you don't believe like us. Inclusivity has been around since the beginning of mankind. And in schools, what what inclusivity actually means is conformity, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, and, and people misunderstand that. The only way to be included in most of the ways that schools are set up is to conform to that way of thinking. It's, it's, it's all sorts of wrong. I was, doing a, I was doing a workshop one time with a couple hundred uh, high school kids, uh, leadership kids uh, from the area. And we were talking about diversity, which is obviously incredibly important. Incredibly important. I was like, all right, well, talk to me about your diversity um, you know, missions and initiatives at your school. And they're talking about, you know, diversity of skin color. I was like, amazing. Um, diversity of where you're born. Amazing. Diversity of, of uh, gender. Amazing. Right. All amazing. And I was like, okay, well, cool. How many initiatives do you have about thought diversity? And they're like, none. It's like, well, isn't it true that if you have a bunch of people and they all look different, different skin color, different heights, different eye color, but they all think the same, is there really diversity there? Or is that just conformity? And I'm just trying to set, set a, a kind of an open-ended question for them to do a little soul searching about what really is diversity. You know, maybe to me, go ahead. no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, cause, cause diversity to me has nothing to do with the way people look, the way people look wasn't their choice. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't choose their skin color. They didn't choose their height. They didn't even choose their parents. You know what I mean? They didn't choose their, their, their gender. They didn't choose the genitalia they're born with. They didn't choose their genetics, but they do choose their thoughts. And so if we're only going to give credibility to the things that people don't choose in their life, but judge people for the things that they do choose, no wonder we have all this infighting, you know, and no wonder that when you talk about an idea, people accidentally get, you know, incredibly emotional because they've attached their ideas and their identity together because those are the things that they've chosen in their life. Everyone feels attacked when you start talking about ideas when it should just be to talk about the idea, not to talk about your identity. But you're you're gonna ask me something a minute ago. Yeah, but man, you, you know, real quick, you just hit it home. Everybody feels attacked because they feel that they're being attacked towards their. They feel like their identity is being attacked, then themselves as a human being versus versus the the conversation of which that is taking place, whatever that conversation may be. So you mentioned conformity, and I wanted to dive a little bit di- deeper here, just because I don't think people understand really what conformity is. Like, yeah, we understand you're, you're conforming to, you know, uh, a set of rules or politics or beliefs or whatever the case may be. But if you if you look at if you look at what's happening today and you replace the word conformity with, let's say, bullying with etiquette. OK, OK, mm-hmm. just just roll mm-hmm. with me here. OK, I know it sounds kind of okay, crazy. Yeah. I'm listening. No, I'm getting but, to you. Go ahead. But but but. It, like you said earlier, like with religion, which, you know, I think, I think that started like thousands of years ago, like you implied, but if you don't yeah. believe the thing that I believe, then you don't belong with us. Isn't that almost like, 
non, not nonverbal, but like subconscious bullying. And, and don't you like, I I'm starting to, my wheels are spinning here. I'm thinking of like, okay, these kids, these kids that they feel that they, they get in these problems of depression and overeating and all these different diseases, not diseases, disorders that are caused by the mind, by the mind, because they didn't fit in. Oh, I don't fit in with this group. I don't fit in with, I'm a loner. I'm this, I'm that I'm depressed. I'm on antidepressants. I have ADD. I have this, I have that. It's because of the, 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 the inclusivity due to conformity, which I feel has been really almost like the subconscious bullying. Like if you don't, if you don't believe what I believe, if you don't believe the attitudes of which that I believe, if you don't agree with the politics that I agree with, if you don't, if you don't play the trumpet and I play the trumpet, well, you know, and our group plays the trumpet or we're a brass team, you're not gonna, you don't belong with us. If you're not, if you're not a musician, yeah. you don't belong with our group. If you're not an athlete, you don't belong with our group. And it's like, imagine that over years, okay? We're talking, that's 12 years of education. You don't think that's going to take a toll on a child and then start to shape how they think as they become an adult, which then leads us to what we're seeing today. There's, there's a couple of things. Yes, so absolutely. Now, generally speaking, it's very easy to see that people love to be led and love to be scared, okay? We, we've seen that with COVID. Uh, we've seen that. And it's, again, it's nothing new. It's just exposed. That's it. But we've always seen that. You can see that by these little sociology, you know, experiments where they just put like two or three people in a quote line at the mall somewhere. They're not, yeah. they're not lining up for anything like that. And then, and then other people just start like getting in line. Yes. Right. And they're not in line for anything. It's just that a couple people are doing it. So it must be something we should be doing. I'm going to see what's going on. I'm going to go stand in line too. And they're not standing in line for anything. Right. And so again, this is, this isn't a new thing. We're just seeing the contemporary versions of that. Now, what I, what I have seen is a cultural shift. And I know we're just start talking philosophical here. And I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing for a minute because it does kind of help explain some things, but yeah. we are seeing a, cult, a cultural shift towards the whole, what I think is a virus of the, the, the need of entitlement. And an entitlement in this case is expressed through the need to be right and the need to be my version of the world is the, is the white world. Because you know why? Going all the way back to tribalism, it's a thing of survival. The more I have people around me that, that think like me, that are like me, then the more chance I have of just fucking surviving. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's, it, it's that primal. Okay? But now we live in a really great time. <laughs> and a really great we got clean drink water on tap we got electricity i can plug my iphone in right now right we got stoplights and stop signs you can get anything you want delivered to your door courtesy of amazon like we <laughs> literally live in an amazing time so that gives us the luxury of now being entitled about things that ultimately in the honestly if i'm just to be really judgmental for a second don't fucking matter they really don't. When you look at the, the universe and the cosmos and the stars and energy and like how little we are in the grand scheme of time, they don't fucking matter, right? But they do in the construct of this society that we've created. I can understand that. But, but really, truly, by the factually of like looking at really everything in perspective, they really don't matter. But to the individual at this snap moment in time, because that's a view of the world, they really matter a big time to them. But that comes as, as a, because we live in a luxury time. <laughs> I don't care what anybody, I don't care if you like it or not. We live in a time of luxury. Oh, yeah. And, the whole, and that whole concept that has been around forever, that when we talk about back to, you know, the greatest generation of all time, you know, we look at the, what we call a generation of all time, the World War I, World War II, that's because they had really hard times. And of course, when you have really hard times, you create a generation of people that are resourceful, that are hardworking, that don't have an entitlement bone on their body, that reuse paper plates, that are, that are kind to each other, take care of their neighbors, right? We look at like that create incredible systems, that create incredible industry, right? Because they had terrible times that they had to make better. So it's forced them to be this incredible greatest generation of other. Well, then they create this in great environment, right? Which creates another generation or a couple generations of softness because we didn't have to be resourceful. Right. Epicurean. Epicurean. So now we have a soft generation, soft, weak men and women who, what do they create? Tough times again. Yep. Right. And so we're just seeing that now we're creating these tough times. We're creating these times of turmoil and uncertainty and, and, and chaos. So what's that going to generate the need for another tough generation or two to come along. Mm -hmm. So we're just in that part of a cycle. This is nothing new. This is nothing even experimental. 
the only thing that that's experimental that we don't truly understand is the power that we've given to these major, major corporations to manipulate us. We've never seen anything like Facebook before. We've never seen anything like Instagram and TikTok before. We've never seen anything like Amazon before. We don't know how to manage it. And we don't know how that sort of influence really affects our psyche and the manipulation. Because when you understand that the world runs on emotion, not on logic, then we have these machines that are literally designed to manipulate you. We don't know what that's going to do to us. So we'll see. Um, we'll tell. I'm not smart enough to know. But you're smart enough to know that you can't know. Like that's that's that that's the difference, right? I'm humble enough to know. You're humble enough to know, know thyself, right? And 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 you're right. I, I think you really hit it on the head. There was a what was that quote that always stuck with me? It was that hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times and good times create weak men and weak men create hard times. That's it's exactly it's what's happening. Yeah, it's the same. It's yeah, it's it's very simple. And I think if you look at it from that perspective, then you can understand what's happening in our world. And then you don't really necessarily have to digest and and pick apart every societal, you know, uh, stigma that's taken place. But yeah, as this. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, please. You go ahead. But at the same time, we can't overlook what's what's going on because we can't just turn a blind eye either. Well, not just because we can't turn the blind eye, but I don't want to have it accelerated. I don't want to have tough times come faster because we have a school system that's generated a weaker sort of generation. And when I say weaker, please understand that I'm that I'm condoning or judging. I'm just saying that it's proven. And I look at the global things. I mean, we, we've talked just real briefly about what's happening with China and what they're doing across it. They literally own all of Africa. They're, they're owning the South China Sea. They've poured more concrete in the last three years than all of America did in the 20th century. They're growing at a rate that we can't possibly even comprehend. They're expanding to literally be the next superpower while we're, while we're bickering about this little shit here at a school. Yep. And when I say that's not to demean it because that's not way to take away anybody's experience that really thing. I'm just, again, zooming out for a minute. And literally saying, oh, okay, you know, and, and you and I have talked about that, like that army ad that came out and, and they showed the Russia ad and they're, and they're like loading guns and doing pushups and jumping out of planes and recruiting like this is what an army is. This is what we're, what we're geared towards. And we have the new army US ad that's a cartoon about a girl who's got two women parents. You know, I was in the Marines, Mo, you're, you're, I didn't, I'm not a combat veteran, so I'm not positioning myself that way, but I do know the enemy doesn't give a shit who your parents are. Your, your enemy just wants to kill you, right? Mm-hmm. We, we need people that are willing to step up and defend other people in this country that are willing to fucking die for it, not giving a shit what your parents are. Your virtue as a soldier or in the Marines or as a sailor or as an airman doesn't come. The value to your country in battle doesn't come like if your parents were gay or not or a mixed race or black or white or anything. They don't give a shit who they prayed to, right? You're there to fight. <laughs> That's what it is. Other countries get that. We, we've just had the luxury of pretending we don't need that. I'm telling you we do. I'm telling you there's people out in this world that literally want to bring this country down. Okay? And it's infected internally in this country. They're like, oh, bring it down. You know, start all over. Burn it down. You know what, Mo? History has shown us. You know what happens when you burn down a society? Fucking tyranny. Mm-hmm. Not liberty and kumbaya and peace. When you burn down a society, you know what comes? Might. A strong motherfucking leader comes up. A strong group and dominates. Right? The fall of Rome to, to when they have a certain like standard of living to 1776 when the U.S. was formed. That, it took that long to essentially create another civilization with a similar standard of living. Right? <laughs> when that civilization right. fell. Right. <laughs> Okay, so so tearing it all down and starting from scratch doesn't create a utopia. It creates a a chaotic environment where tyranny always shows up because we're human beings. We're not above it. It's not because it hasn't happened in 100 years. It happens all over the world, by the way. A strong leader comes in that that dominates as a dictatorship. They don't give you choice. They don't give you freedoms to pray who you want to. They dominate. Right. So this whole movement, like, let's tear things down and start all over. I'm warning. I'm telling you right now, just read a book. <laughs> just just look at what that actually creates. Right. That's not going to be good. That's not going to work out for you. Like the ones that want to tear it down are not going to be the, the, the mighty rulers of the world. I promise you that. All right. So, yeah. Anyways, I went a little off there. 
You you get my you get my vibe. These no. are not my opinions. These are these are my observations of history. Just they, go read a book. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, just go read a book. <laughs> All right, buddy. Uh, so I wanted to ask you a question. As a parent, how do you deal with hypocrisy when it's being taught within our own education system? So hypocrisy is obviously a subjective term. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer that question in kind of a long-winded way. Um, in terms of what we were talking about earlier with people's need to kind of shout out your view of the world and try and convert people to, to your view of the world. That is happening within the school system, okay? So I went and did a little bit of research and because I was talking about inclusivity and diversity and in my mind, I'm wrapping it around and I'm like, okay, can it really come from an institution like in this case, like at my school district here, where 100% of the administration all has the same political affiliation, not leanings. I'm not guessing. I went and looked at the, pulled the records, okay? Can it really come from an institution when a majority of the teachers all have the same political inter- affiliation? And again, politics to me isn't the problem. It's just merely an expression of your worldview. So my point is, can you really expect diversity? Can you really expect indoctrination not to have happen from a group of people who all think the same fucking way, right? Who, who literally their socioeconomic standing is almost all the same. Their daily environment is almost all the same, right? Their exposure in the world is almost all of the same. They went to this school and this school, then they got their, you know, master's degree, then they got, you know, PhD possibly, now they're teachers. Like their path through their world. So the world experiences is very, very similar. So can really, can, can that sort of institution, that sort of makeup, can they really talk about diversity in, in that space, right? No, the answer is not, right? So, but what's happening now, we're seeing a, a, a sense of entitlement that now because I'm surrounded by the same people that think like me, that view the world the same like me, I'm fucking right. I'm really right. You know why I'm right? Because my, my bias is confirmed every day. It's confirmed in the lunchroom. It's confirmed around the table. It's confirmed on my friends on social media because the algorithms prove that I'm right all day, every day. So now I have this entitlement to get that. Guess what? The 30 kids I have in my class today, four or five times a day, guess what? They're also going to kind of know that this is the way that the world needs to work because I know that I'm right about it. Does that make sense? So so this this slippery slope has just been happening. And now when I walk into classrooms, and I walk in, I'm like, wow, I can see how this teacher views the world. I, I don't just see what this subject this teacher teaches. I can see how this teacher views the world and how it's permeated into their expression, what they have on the walls, what they have in the, what they talk about. What, and, and I'm like, that's gross to me. The, the public school system is not about teaching kids what to think, Mo. It's to teach them how to think for themselves. And, I, and I actually, that's how I parent. That's how I actually think parents need to parent. We're not trying to take, create clones. We're supposed to create independent, well-adjusted, critically thinking, compassionate, hardworking, empathetic young adults. That's our job as parents, I believe. I know I'm getting a little preachy here, but that's my job as a parent. That's what I think that the school system needs to produce, not clones, right? So when I walk into a teacher's classroom and I can see what they think of the world, that's wrong to me. That shouldn't be fair. That should, they should have colors of all the world, of all the expressions, of all the leaders, of all the ways of thinking, and lead the child through to make, they should create a, a class that has a wide diversity look of the world, not a similar view of the world. And, and, and I, it's weird when you walk into a school and you're like, holy moly, this is one way. And, and I've actually created as a, as a blessing of something that I've learned from my project when I've, when I've been around the country lately, looking at these things, I've, I've got this skill. No longer do I live in a world of yes, but. Like, yes, but let me prove you're wrong. I live in the world of like, yes, and. Like, yes, what you're telling me is probably all true because that's absolutely your experience and I feel no entitlement to take that away from you. And there's also tens or thousands or hundreds of ways of also experiencing the same exact situation at the same exact time or having the same conclusion come from a completely different standpoint. But that's lost in the public school system. It's yes, but, not yes, and. Mm. And you can see that. Like, just walk into a classroom today. Walk into a school today. Listen in. You know what I would love? I would love if teachers wore body cams. That's what I'd love. I'd love if parents could actually see what teachers are telling their kids all day, every day. I love that. But you know what? There's, there, we're, we're not even, as we're homeschooled and uh, having these Zoom calls, we're told we're not supposed to sit in on the Zoom calls because they don't want us to hear what the teachers are saying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I listen like, though. 
Well, and, and you should because you care, not because you want to judge, because you want to know what's being yeah. told your children. Totally. That you're the ones responsible for them. You're the ones that are responsible for the outcome of their life, not that teacher. Right. So good for you. Right. But but that's how that's that. But there's not that accountability at all. You know, and, and, and that sort of like transparency has been lost when I can't even ask a question of the leader of the school. If he made that video before or after the investigation was done and I'm censored and blocked, there's a big fucking problem. There, there couldn't be a bigger lack of transparency. Right. And by the way, I volunteered at the school a bunch. I've spoken at events. I volunteered my time. I've donated. Like, it's not just I'm some random dude. I'm like, been involved <laughs> as a big ally of this school district. And you know what they created? They created an enemy because what they do, what they're doing right now in my vision is wrong. Not because what they did to me because they're doing it to other people. And, and, and you can't take, especially a public education system and, and censor parents and students that they don't agree with. Come on. Yeah. You know, there's no backbone there. There's, there's no, there's no structure. That's about as weak as you can get. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole premise of a public school. The whole premise of a public school education is to is to encourage critical thinking. I thought, mm-hmm. but it's not, and and that's the trend that if we don't expose, we're just going to get into tougher times quicker. And honestly, we're going to be dominated by another country quicker if we're really going to be honest about it. Totally. You know what? Just real quick, this this kind of popped in my head. So uh, I was born and raised in in Portland, Oregon. But I lived in Beirut, Lebanon for, I would say, a good chunk of my childhood, you know, 10, 15 years. And I can tell you this, as as a first grade student, I'm learning about other countries. Um, you're, you're being taught Arabic, English and French, and you're literally learning about the world. You come home with like a college level journal booklet of all the things wow. that you have to do on a day to day basis. Wow. And your and your perspective is completely different than when you come here. So when I came here and I started going to school here, like it, like you're saying right now, it's very one sided. It's one opinion. It's one version of the story. And it's only one one story versus here. Let's look at all the things that have taken place and let's make our own assessment based on, you know, what happened here, what happened there during this time and that time. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And the when perspective you... shifts completely. That's why immigrants, in my opinion, have the, their mindset. And I don't want to get too far off, but the mindset of an immigrant, which, by the way, this 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 beautiful nation was founded by immigrants. But the, the, the mindset of an immigrant is that they, they're taking everything that they've went through and they're coming from the perspective of I can create anything. Really? This is amazing because the, even though even though you feel like you're not limited there because of the, the education and, and, and the, the, the worldviews that you're gaining on, on a day-to-day basis, whether it be trivial matters or world matters or whether it be wars and battles and, and chaos, or it could be just the effects of um, society on, on every single perspective. Because in Beirut uh, specifically, you have all walks of life. And you see it, you see so many different cultures and you're taught those cultures at a very early age. So you're able to understand, you're able to sympathize, you're able to align yourself with, with how other people view things. And, and I'm not saying that you can't learn that here, nor you can't, you know, it's not, it's not a possibility, but it's a primary reason why kids who graduate high school that want to go travel the world because they want to gain some sort of experience and understanding of how the world actually is. And it's that perspective that gives you light and sheds light to how you live your life and not let things like pronouns and pettiness affect you and you just keep on trucking. Sorry. It's, I went that's okay. Road. I don't care at all. This is your freaking podcast right now. <laughs> I, I, what, but what you actually talked about was real diversity, <laughs> yeah. like, which, is, which is diversity of thought and right. to other ideals right. without the predication that they're right or wrong. Okay, so the other things that are schools what happening, they're presented with some other ideals, but they're predicated with this is right or this is wrong. That goes with that goes with politics, that goes with guns, that goes with America, that goes with this language, that goes with this. Like, we're going to tell you about this, but we're going to tell you because it's wrong. We're going to tell you about this because we're going to tell you about this because it's right. So it's, it's gone from we're going to tell you about this. So you can now form your own opinion about it, talk with your family about it, explore it more. 
We're going to tell you about it because we're going to tell you if it's right or wrong or not. And, and I have this right or wrong. And I keep talking about this. And we talk about this other podcast It's so malleable and it's so, it changes over time. What's considered right and wrong by society. Right. And I'm not talking about the religious, like the Ten Commandments. I'm not talking about like what people believe is morally right or wrong based on their, their religious beliefs. I'm just talking about the cultural acceptance of what's right and wrong. Okay. And because we know that that changes constantly, what was right, you know, 15 years ago, what jokes were right, what kind of movies were right 20 years ago, or is different now. Is that fair to, yeah. to say? Yeah. Okay. So that that's the concept of right or wrong I'm talking about right now. And so instead of having concern and, and all this thought going into this is right and this is wrong and pronouns are right or pronouns are wrong. I'm more concerned about, well, who are we allowing to decide who's telling us what's right or wrong? Who, who's actually pulling these strings and what's their intention? What, what's, who are we allowing to control our emotions and our thoughts and our words and our vocabulary and our focus? Who, who is this? What, what media outlet is this? What, what entity is this? What government is this? What individual is this? What school system is this? And what is the reason that they're doing this? Those are, the, those are the real deep questions that not a lot of people are stopping to talk about. Everyone's just talking about what's right or wrong. I'm like, well, I get that, but that might change tomorrow or next year or whatever, because those, are, those things are fads or changes or whatever. But who's telling you that this is right or wrong? And have you questioned them about it? And when I say them, I mean the, the institution, the person or whatever. Or have, you, or have you stopped to pause for yourself and realize that all these things that you think are really just a collection of all your past experience. And you just become a fucking puppet of those things. You haven't sat down and decided in a really long time. And when I say you, I mean, I've had discussions like this with people. And I'm challenging kind of the audience, whoever's listening still to us ramble on right now, to really think about how often have you ever actually sat down and said, wow. Have, are these beliefs that I currently hold the things that I've chosen intentionally on my own? Or are these things I've picked up along the way from my old professor, from my dad, because he worked really hard, or from my old you know, coworker, or from my social media feed? Have I really chosen these things? And, and, and the things that I've chosen, are they actually serving me? Am I actually happy? Am I actually productive and optimistic? Am I actually fit? Am I actually doing good in the world? Do I wake up happy or do I wake up pissed off? Do I, do I wake up with the idea that I can serve people or do I wake up with the idea that the world's against me? And, and, and if so, then is that, is that how I want to feel? Is that how I want to live? Is that the sort of energy I want to surround myself with? Not a lot of people are just stopping and pausing. And that, and that whole ancient philosophy that, the, the, that your entire life, you can control your entire life if you understand the most important, this, this important moment of when you have the stimulus come in and then you have this pause and then you have your reaction, your whole being, your whole existence, all of your power is claimed in that pause. When the stimulus comes in, pause. Do I get to say, or do I just instantly get mad? Do I instantly get frustrated? Do I instantly decide that's what it's worth? Or do I pause and think about how do I get to decide if the guy cuts me off on I-5? Do, do I get to decide how I feel if the cashier asks me a question? Do I get to decide if my wife says something, right? Yes, you do. Nobody makes you mad. You choose to get mad. So, but we don't take that self-responsibility. And so it's, it's, it's that sort of, I guess, I think we live in a time where we have the luxury to be able to actually have those conversations. We live in a time we have the luxury of actually pausing and thinking about those things, but because we're human, human and we're fallible, we just don't because it's very easy just to kind of go flow and everybody's angry. So I'm going to be angry. Everybody's feeling this way. So I'm going to feel this way. Everybody's doing this. So I'm going to do this. Everyone's standing in that line. So I'm going to go fucking stand in that line. And I'm not judging anybody. It's just, it's just the way we're built. So if I can do anything, just create awareness. It's like, okay, do you want to live that way? Uh, us versus them? Or do you want to live like, no, that's them versus them. And I'm going to create my own existence. I'm going to create my own happiness. I'm going to create my own dynamics. I'm not going to blame. I'm going to take responsibility. Not from a conservative standpoint, just from the standpoint of like being, a, being an individual organism <laughs> as you exist in this world. As wherever you're sitting or standing right now, you're literally sitting there as an independent organism that you do have a choice. And, and I just can't, I can't think of a more powerful way to live than understanding the power of choosing how you view the world. And I just am concerned that the school system is taking away the power of choice. It's, it's all through might and conformity. And, and I'm going to start getting more involved. I'm going to challenge the, the book school system. I mean, not from a way because I think I'm right, just because I want to say, great, prove me wrong. Prove me that you're churning out children that are more happy. 
that are less fat, that are more optimistic. Prove to me that you're turning out a generation of children that are less suicidal. And if you're not, then fucking check yourself. It's not about being right. It's about doing what's right for the children that we're responsible for. And I, I'm, I'm, so I'm just going to kind of continue with that sort of thing, that sort of pressure, that sort of accountability that, that I think that all parents should be doing, you know? My man, I, uh, I couldn't stop you there. That was too, too many pieces of gold that you were dropping. I don't know where it all came from. I just started coming out, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's. And when I get emotional or seemingly energetic, you know, in a conversation like this, it's, it's to, to try and convey that I thought deeply about it. I'm not trying to convey that I'm right. I'm trying to convey that I thought deeply about it. And I do not have no longer, this is the new version of me, bro, where, where I really don't have an attachment to my ideas. And I literally will lob them out there. And people say all the time, man, in the last 24 hours, I've got so many messages. Man, you have so much courage for saying what's on my mind. And I can't say what's on my mind because I have a job. Or I can't say what's on my mind because of my wife. Or I can't say what's on my mind because I might get canceled. Or I can't say because of my business. And, and, and I'm like, no, you can't say what's on your mind because you, you think you need to be right. And, and, and if you're challenged and it takes all this energy to be challenged, no, I don't care. Like, I'm just humble about it. If I throw out my ideas and people show me that I'm wrong, I'm like, damn, missed that one. Awesome. I'll, I'll form a new idea. Let me throw my old one away. It's not serving me anymore. You yeah, know, but what's, talked what, about this. Yeah, but what's the consensus of when people try to... That's, that's the problem, is that if you throw out ideas and you're fine with being wrong and being proven wrong and somebody proves you wrong, the normal, in my opinion, from what I've been able to see, particularly through social media, because this is the, this is the birthplace of trolls, is you get people spouting nonsense with anger and resentment and sarcasm yeah. and and yeah. just disgust all the time yeah it, it happens all the time so so i discern the difference between if they attack me personally then they lose the legitimacy of having a conversation but if they attack my idea i'm like damn good point but here's another point that i thought about what do you think about that because we're conversing about the idea yes i'm not attacking them i'm not talking about their beliefs i, I mean not beliefs but their but their identity like like the minute you attack a person dude I know a bunch of good people that have had bad ideas at some point in time. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like we all do. We, we've all been wrong about stuff. And why should we hold somebody, make them guilty for, for having an idea in the past and they learn something new. And now they, they're a different person. They're, they have new ideas, you know, and that's great. That's growth. You know, it's, it's low level thinking and it's, it's a big ego to say, no, I'm going to be this way forever. Don't fucking convince me otherwise. Right. That's safe. <laughs> that's really safe but there's nothing new that comes from it there, there's zero new discovery there's neuro growth there's there's no other additional contributions to everybody else so i i go i'm online a lot i'm on facebook and now i'm on tiktok and 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 it, it's the moment somebody attacks me personally i'm just like i just disengage like oh whatever or i block them because it's not that's not what it's about but if you attack my idea or if you say, bro, did you think of this? Or have you seen this research? Or have you, have you done this, man? Your idea is, is whack because of this. I'm like, well, let, tell me more. But if they, if they say you're whack and you're dumb and you should go jump off a cliff, I'm like, no, you're just, you're just contributing to the noise. You know? And so I don't mind at all being told that I'm wrong. I don't, it, it's not productive to tell somebody that they are a bad person because you think they're wrong. And that's, and that's that little nuance that this culture has really lost. And that's actually schools are producing that, man. Literally schools are producing that this is the way to think. And if people don't think this way, they're morally wrong. So uh-huh. you can fucking say whatever you want about them. Yep. That's toxic, man. That's really toxic. And you're embedding that toxicity in our children. Embedding the toxicity in children. And, and, and so that's, I don't want to say it's insidious. I, I'm not trying to go down this path of like saying it's a malicious intent to take over. Nope. It's just a natural trend because people are fallible and they're human beings and they're swept up in this motion and they're not stopping to say, wow, is what I'm doing actually producing kids that are happier and healthier and more fun and, and more contribution to the world. Are we creating a stronger country? Are we creating a country that's able to produce more value to the world? Or are we creating a culture of more division and more toxicity and, and a trend towards uh malicious attacks and a trend towards more trolls and a tend towards suicide 
well, then stop it. Then stop doing what we're doing to produce the wrong results, right? But that, that, that takes self-awareness and we just don't have that self-awareness. And so really my message is, is to kind of, this is the first public thing I've got, come out against the public school system. And I just am. I'm not, by the way, I want to make a very clear distinction. I, I have some friends that are amazing teachers and a lot of teachers are like police officers. Like they get into the job for very altruistic reasons. The system sometimes takes over and puts them in shitty situations, right? So this is not attack on teachers. This is not attack on, you know, it, 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 those individuals. This is an attack on a system that's producing things that statistically aren't amazing. So I guess what I'm asking for anybody that listens to this, it's a parent or that's, it's an administrator or a teacher is not to judge if what I am saying or what you're saying is right or wrong, but just to simply look to see if what's being done as a status quo is working. And, and, and truly think about the, this generation of children that are sitting on the desk, that are wide-eyed, that have open minds, and, and, and really the whole concept. In my world, this is an opinion, Mo, but in my world, the whole idea that, that, that teachers are there to mold young minds is not the right premise. They're not. I think teachers and public education system there is there to inspire young minds. It's there to plant little seeds that they can go discover on themselves and, and dig into and find out on their own. It's not to mold young minds. It's not to chisel them. And, and we've gone so far from that 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 scares a shit out of me. And so I'm going to continue to kind of research this and find out what to do. And be humble in the approach. I'm not approaching this as that I'm right. I'm approaching this as like, wow, the status quo, in my opinion, is just not working. So collectively, can we come up with a new thing that works? And again, this isn't a personal attack on an individual. or This is, this is just an observation of a very concerned parent first. And then a concerned citizen. And just, not, just an observer. So I hope that anybody that listens, that it's kind of inspired just to keep asking themselves questions. Or go talk to their teachers or their administrators. And really think is what's doing, if what we're doing now is working, fine. But I would challenge you to say that it's not. And, and thank, you for, thank you for taking a few minutes and, and listening to this, what I think is a fairly important discussion. Go to habitsofthefew.com. 